Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is Series 2, Episode 245 of this Daily Study Podcast. Thank you very much for joining us today as we begin our study of this week's Come Follow Me materials. We are covering August the 31st to September the 6th, which is covering Helaman chapters 13 to 16, Glad Tidings of Great Joy. And that's a very interesting title, which I'll refer to towards the end of this episode, if I get through what I hope to get through today. Today, we're beginning in Helaman chapter 13. We're going to cover the the, the the title in the personal scripture study section, that, which says the Lord gives warnings through the, his prophets. But we're also going to cover some of the Lord is merciful to those who repent also for they're kind of mixed together uh, in this um, section. Now, uh, first of all, I want to look at a phrase that's used um, in verse one, uh, where it's talking about the Lamanites. It says, yea, um, the Nephites were in great wickedness, while the Lamanites did observe strictly to keep the commandments of God according to the law of Moses. Now, I I listened to the Don't Miss This podcast uh, with David Butler and Emily Bell Freeman, and there was a great comment made about the phrase exact obedience or strict obedience. Uh, and I had to share it because I thought it was inspired. Now, we often use the phrase exact obedience, obey exactly. And sometimes, you know, people might see that as strict obedience. And sometimes that could be quite a negative, uh, having a negative connotation to it, you know, that we have to strictly obey everything. And that can be quite difficult to hear for some people. And they made the points that there are only really two individuals or groups of people that we know of in scriptures who were exactly obedient or or should I say strictly obedient. Um, And one of those groups is the Pharisees in the New Testament. They were strict, strict obedience. They were they were saying, you know, you cannot do this on this day. You cannot do this in this way. Um, They said to the Savior, you cannot heal on the Sabbath day because it breaks this law. Uh, And they were strict uh, to the laws. But in a, in a way that it was to their hindrance, they were overstrict in some senses. Um, and so that got them thinking about, well, what is exact obedience? What does strict obedience look like? And of course, we look at the other person who we know to have been strictly obedient, and that was the saviour. Now, the saviour um, was different in the sense that the things that he kept, the laws that he kept and the obedience that he showed was to the will of his father. That's why he did everything that he did, because it was his father's will. Uh, and so that relates to us. You know, we we need to be obedient to the commandments of God. Absolutely. Um, and that is an important part of our discipleship. But we need to be keeping the commandments, not because we are keeping the letter of the law and we're keeping everything and tick boxing everything off, checking everything off and making sure that we are doing everything we've been told in exactly the way we've been told to do it. But we need to do it in the way that we are trying to do the will of the Father, what our Father would have us do. And yes, some of those things that the Father would have us do relates to commandments, such as keeping the the law of chastity and keeping the word of wisdom and things like that. However, it is also, and there is other things we should do, such as um, going to church and keeping the Sabbath day holy and all these other things. But these commandments should be kept with our hearts, trying to do what the Father would have us do to keep his will. Um, Because as we do that, then we are being strictly obedient, exactly obedient to his will. Uh, And I just thought that was a very interesting insight about the words strict obedience and exact obedience. Sometimes it can seem quite difficult and quite hard, but actually it is very straightforward. It is to do the will of the Father, Um, which again, (laughs) I guess isn't straightforward, but 
it sounds more meaningful and more purposeful. Um, also in verse one, uh, I want to share this. So Samuel the Lamanite um, had some very unique words um, for the Nephites. John W. Welch um, explained it in this way, uh, quote, with such high level of attention given to the details and completeness of Samuel's prophetic speech, readers can be quite confident that Mormon would not have taken anything out of this record or tampered editorially with it, even if he might otherwise have been tempted to do, to do so. The speech in some ways was rather raw and repetitive, but it was given under the pressures of the moment, and its bold spontaneity bears the authentic marks of a traditional prophetic curse oracle. Uh, close quote. Remember that... Samuel the Lamanite is the only prophet other than Isaiah that we know of that the Saviour mentioned himself as words that should have been in this record. Um, he talked about treasuring the words of Isaiah and he also speaks to Nephi, the record keeper, when the Saviour, and spoiler warning, the Saviour appears later on in this record. Um, he says to Nephi that the words of Samuel should have been in this record and so they are here and we have them for a purpose. And they are very specific. It's very rare that we have prophets come out and say, in such and such years, this is going to happen. And then in three or four generations after this event, this is going to happen. It's very rare that we get a very specific time um, stamp on on prophecies. Uh, but Samuel the Lamanite does this. Uh, and so it, it's very interesting, these words. So let's, let's look at Samuel the Lamanite himself. In verse two, it says, and it came to pass that in this year, there was one Samuel, a Lamanite, who came into the land of Zarahemla and began to preach unto the people. And it came to pass that he did preach many days repentance unto the people, and they did cast him out. And he was about to return to his own land. Dennis L. Largy uh, said this, quote, Samuel is one of the most colorful figures in the Book of Mormon. And few readers can forget the image of this fearless servant of God announcing the dramatic signs of Christ's birth and death, crying repentance from the walls of Zarahemla. The proud, wicked, and prejudiced Nephites were offended by the presence of a Lamanite reproving them for their sins. Historically, that was a Nephite prerogative, but now the roles were reversed. Close quote. This does really stand out uh, from other prophets and other accounts in the Book of Mormon because of its stark contrast. As um, was mentioned in that quote, the Nephites had long before had been the, the, the spiritual um, leaders of the land. And now here was Samuel, a Lamanite, that came and taught these Nephites true principles of the gospel and gave powerful prophecies of the Saviour. Uh, and it was an interesting event. Um, in verse 4, however, they reject him. It says, and it came to pass that they would not suffer that he should enter into the city. Therefore he went and got upon the wall thereof and stretched forth his hand and cried with a loud voice and prophesied unto the people whatsoever things the Lord put into his heart. Um, he, he did indeed prophesy to this people uh, and he, he, wouldn't, he would stop at no, you know, no barrack barriers to, to make it so that they would not hear the words that the Lord would have, have him say. And you think of people like Abinadi who, were, who was a prophet who also had this mentality of needing to deliver this message to the people. Um, and so, you know, I think we can learn a lot from that. And we need to recognize that we've been given a great message to share as well. Do we let walls and barriers stop us? Or do we try and do all that we can to share this great word? There's a great um, know why from Book of Mormon Central, know why number 284. What does the Book of Mormon teach about prophets? Now, I thought this was important to point out. Um, here it says, quote, 
Some Book of Mormon prophets, capital P, were responsible for leading God's church with priesthood keys like Moses and had been in the Bible. But the Book of Mormon also shows that individuals can act as prophets or prophetesses, lowercase p, as with Miriam, Deborah or Huldah in the Bible, receiving a divine commission to preach and testify even though they weren't presiding church authorities. Samuel the Lamanite, for example, was referred to as a prophet, as was Nephi, son of Helaman. Yet, when the people believed the words of Samuel, they did not go out to Samuel to be baptized. Instead, they went to Nephi, the head of the church. This shows that Samuel was likely a prophet, lowercase p, while Nephi was a prophet with a capital P, close quote. And I think the understanding of what the word prophet means is important here. When we speak of prophets in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we are often referring to the capital P prophet, the person with the presiding keys and authority to lead the Church of God. And we need to respect and we need to follow and listen to the capital P prophet uh, in our day. Uh, And we'll talk a bit more about that in the next episode as well, as we continue to talk about the role the prophets have. Um, but we also need to remember that the name of the word prophets can also be applied to other individuals, as we have seen in the scriptures, such as Miriam and Deborah and Samuel the Lamanites. He was not the presiding church authority. He was not the person whom the Lord had said, you are to lead this people and you are anointed to lead this people and prophesy to them. However, he was chosen by God to be a prophet and to speak to them. What I would, what I, you know, have a question on and what I'm interested in is this. Why did the Lord choose Samuel the Lamanite to share this prophecy of the Saviour to the people and not Nephi, the son of Helaman? Why not? Um, I think that that is an interesting question and one that I've not really considered before. However, there there may well have been many reasons. uh, And that may be something we can consider as we move into the episode tomorrow. We are running short on time. Uh, but I do, it is something which is important to remember that we can act as prophets in in the sense of a lowercase p, that we can receive guidance and prophecy. Now, of course, we cannot receive guidance and prophecy for the church. If we are not the bishop of ward, we cannot receive guidance and prophecy for the ward or members within that ward. But we can receive guidance and prophecy for our our own stewardship, our own family, for ourselves. Uh, we can be prophets in that sense with a lowercase p. And so that is an important principle to remember. Yeah, so we're going to have to stop there. We've got four verses into this. So, but fortunately, we only have um, you know, we only have a few, four chapters to get through this week. So we should be okay. Thank you very much for listening today. I hope you've, you, you've enjoyed it. Please do share the podcast and review it. I'd love that. You can also... Um, Share, you can also join the Facebook group, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me, uh, if you're interested in joining in a future podcast episode. And of course, oh, sorry, well, yeah, you can go on the Facebook group to share what you've been studying. And I've noticed that people have been sharing a few more things over the past 24 hours. It'd be great to have that through the week so I can share them in the um, the episode at the end of the week as well. And of course, there is the uh, Facebook, the email, ldsstudysession at gmail.com. You can email there if you've got any feedback. And if you'd like to join in a future podcast episode, let me know there and I'll uh, we'll set something up. Thank you very much for your time, and until we meet again.